Loudspeaker Studios. Welcome to the Hangover Liberation Society, the podcast celebrating the unexpected benefits of living a zero-proof lifestyle. I'm Adrienne Vandervalk. And I'm Erin Ranta, and we are the co-founders of Reba Recovery Support and the originators of the Hangover Liberation Method. Today, we are diving into a topic that's a little abstract and also a little emotional, at least for me, and that is integrity and how our integrity changes from when we were drinking and using to now that we're sober. And it's emotional for me because I feel really protective of my former self. And I really don't want to talk about her in a way that implies that I used to not have integrity because I was drinking. And now I do because I'm sober. I think that kind of black and white thinking can actually be really counterproductive. But I do think it's an important topic. So I'm looking forward to talking about this with you in particular, Erin, because I know that we have kind of similar feelings about this, and I'm just interested to hear your perspective. I relate to what you're saying, wanting to protect your prior self. I did not think about it this way until I started thinking about this episode and thinking back. At first, my thought was, oh, well, the things that I did meant that I had no integrity, but actually I had integrity the whole time. The things that I ended up maybe doing that I am not happy about caused me so much shame and guilt. That means that I have integrity. I feel the same way. So do you want to talk a little bit about some personal examples and then maybe we can unpack the bigger topic? Yes. So I went back quite a ways to in elementary school. I was thinking about even since birth, I really felt self-conscious and kind of scared to fully be myself. And one example was in, I think it was what we called C group, but was the equivalent of first grade. Uh, There was an episode where my friend and I, we'll call her Lynn, we were stealing stickers from the teacher's desk. I did not feel good about it. And I wanted to tell the teacher. My friend did not want to. She said, no big deal. They'll never find out. The teacher did find out, didn't know who did it. And I eventually came clean to the teacher, but petrified that Lynn would hate me, petrified the whole class would think I was a, I don't know, tattletale or something like that and not cool. But guess what? Nobody cared. The teacher said, I'm grateful you told me. Maybe not in those words. This was a very long time ago. But the feeling was, oh, I should have done that in the first place and just followed my gut and what my integrity said. I started to build my integrity in my high school and college years, but then I also increased my drinking and using. So I felt it quite challenging to still stand really in my own two shoes and be drinking and trying to hide that behavior. There were things I was really proud of, like quitting the sorority that I was in because I did not like the way women were treated. But at the same time, I was kind of sneaking and hiding some of my growing drinking behaviors. So I felt a little bit of that double life thing. My drinking was escalating and escalating. The greater my habit grew, the actions I took that were not within my integrity became things I really am shameful of to this day. It makes me want to cry. Um, but I had to do them like a survival, you know, yeah. just because I couldn't, you know, 
they made me feel so bad. So I still was emotionally in integrity, maybe not action wise. When I think about integrity while I was drinking versus now, the biggest difference is not that I didn't have integrity then. It's just that because drinking took up so much mental space and required so much energy to manage that I found myself, like you said, doing things that weren't necessarily in alignment with my values simply because I was trying to survive my life, essentially, and minimizing the consequences of my drinking. That, I think, really is the biggest thing that stands out, the hiding, the minimizing, the smoothing things over that I knew were embarrassing or not okay, things that I never would have done sober, and then I didn't really want to do. And I am someone who, when I drank, I became much more aggressive. I was more confrontational and also more forward, you know, romantically, sexually, which got me into trouble sometimes. And because I was engaging in behaviors that weren't really me, that I didn't really want to do, and it's not because I was being coerced, but because I was just not myself. I was an impaired version of myself. And sometimes I couldn't remember these incidents. Actually, a lot of times I couldn't remember them. And that really, really disturbed me too. Like, how can I take responsibility for myself as a person when I allow these things to happen, when I have this like monster living inside of me that does these things that I would never, ever do? So when I was reflecting on this, it made me think about one of the myths surrounding alcohol and how it relates to integrity that I think is really harmful. And that's the idea that alcohol is somehow a truth serum or something that unlocks the parts of us that are really true to who we are, that we just don't have the courage to express when we're not drinking. I don't find this to be true at all, either in my own experience or in the many conversations that I've had with other sober people about this. You know, the idea here is that we say things that we want to say or we have the courage to, to do what we really want to do. But in reality, you know, what does it look like when when you're drinking? It's you're bonding with people too quickly because you're oversharing information. You are assuming a level of intimacy that's not real, that's not earned. You are trusting people too quickly. We present an inauthentic version of ourselves, honestly, that does not grow our confidence. It's like we're relying strictly on the impairment to our brain to help us feel confident. So that's that's not revealing who we really are other than revealing ourselves to be a not confident person. And it just convinces us that we need alcohol to socialize or to perform or to connect. And that often leads us to say and do things that we don't mean or reveal too much and violating our own boundaries, violating other people's trust, if we're like revealing secrets or gossiping, et cetera. And then, you know, we wake up, at least I did, wondering what I said the night before. And that's always in anxiety. I never would wake up the next day and think, I'm sure that whatever I said was totally truthful and meaningful and 100% in alignment with who I am and who I want to be. That was literally never, ever the case. So I just wanted to mention that, that the whole like alcohol is truth serum thing, I think is total bullshit. That's so true. I never woke up thinking, I really wish that I was like how I was last night. 
never. Even if the things I was doing the night or day before when I was drinking or using were things that I wouldn't do sober, then it really isn't myself. It just isn't. It's a skewed version of myself that, quite frankly, I never wanted to revisit the next day in the light of the day until I did it again. But I did it again oftentimes because of the shame of what I had done. And that cycle of shame after living out of my integrity was repeated over and over. Yeah. At that point, we were both living a large percentage of our lives intoxicated. And so the larger that percentage grew, the less that we were able to really say authentically that we were living in alignment. I mean, that's the other thing I just wanted to mention because I consistently chose drinking over everything else. I had to spend so much time managing my drinking and then the consequences of my drinking that I missed out on a lot of opportunities. And I've had to cultivate a lot of self-compassion about that and not get caught up in the regret of that lost time. And we have done an episode about time and how different it feels now because although I was definitely not living in integrity of what I wanted for my life, now I think that going through that experience has actually sharpened the contours of what I know I want and what I don't want and what I am willing to do and not do and put up with and not put up with because I had to work so hard to choose my real self every day. Over time, I think that has made it easier to choose, you know, her, my real self in situations where if I hadn't been through that, I I might still have violated my boundaries or agreed to things that weren't okay. But now because I've had to really focus on that as a, like a life skill, it's much easier for me to just say no, you know, or yes to the things that are truly no's and yeses for me without worrying about what other people think. I have had to really get over that hurdle. So in that way, I think having gone through this has strengthened my integrity in terms of how I show up in the world. And that's not because I'm sober now. I don't think getting sober automatically gives you more integrity, but I think because it has given me the gift of understanding that it's really important to show up authentically in the world, that that's truly the best thing I can do for myself or anybody else. It's really the best thing any of us can do. And that it's one of the hardest things, especially if you've been trained to hide and and minimize who you are and try to change who you are. But that really is a gift that sobriety, an unexpected gift, I'll say, that sobriety has given me. Yeah, there's a little bit of the regret of wasted time, but I try to use it for a positive in my life going forward because I can't get the years back and I have learned to be myself so much more than kind of like you said, Adrian, that I think I would have had I not gone through what I've been through because I just learned how how I don't want to be. Hey there, I'm Sarah Moneres, the host of the We Podcast, your space for inspiration, stories, and real talk. On the We Podcast, we love talking about the things most people don't openly talk about, the real, messy human experience and how we can grow through it. 
Tune in on loudspeaker every week on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain and on Tuesdays on any of your favorite podcast apps. Join us in this space that's all about connecting through our stories, showing up for the real, and embracing the truth that we are not on this journey alone. See you there. I think that's a perfect transition to the next thing we wanted to talk about, which is the binary thinking that anybody who has substance use disorder or struggles with addiction is automatically living a life of moral failure. I think that really just completely flattens the really diverse experiences that people with substance use disorder have. We both took a lot of learning out of our experience. I mean, Even though our sobriety dates are our sobriety dates, that doesn't mean that we were not doing an enormous amount of work. It's sort of like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like you see the tip of the iceberg, that's the sobriety date, but you don't see all the whole glacier underneath the water. And that's all of the learning and all of the trial and error and all of the struggle to test our integrity and find our integrity and and sort of reconnect with those parts of ourselves that was a constant ongoing process for many, many years. And so, I mean, I think the idea that addiction or substance use disorder means that you just become like this selfish monster who doesn't know right from wrong is a narrative that is A, not helpful, and B, I really think just makes life harder for people in those situations because it makes it so much easier for people who are not going through that to judge you, to think horrible things about you to not give you more chances and not to say that, you know, sometimes people who are in the throes of addiction don't make terrible decisions and hurt other people. Obviously they do, but the idea that they don't know that that's happening is just not accurate. That's exactly what it is. They know and they care. They just are surviving. I mean, yes, sometimes they do things that are unexcusable even And maybe the action cannot be forgiven, but the person most likely feels horrible about what they've done and they just need support and love. They do. I mean, that can come in all forms, but they don't need judgment, nor do they need to be told that they're just a general all over shitty person, point blank. I mean, I, I will speak for myself. I definitely did some things when I was drinking that I should not have done that hurt other people. And I was very lucky in that I had a group of friends who had known me long enough to know that those things really were out of alignment with who I was. And they were able to continue to kind of hold me until I was ready to make that transition. But I am currently married to someone who had to forgive me for doing some pretty awful things. And I don't take that lightly. And The fact that, you know, he was able to forgive me has helped me be able to forgive myself. And that has been a huge part of my healing. I'm not someone who, I'm not actually that big on forgiveness personally. I don't think that it's necessary to move on. But I think that you can not demonize someone and not just blanketly like call them trash or throw them away because of what they've been through, because of what they've put other people through when they were 
in that survival mode of trying to manage their substance use disorder. It really is a gauntlet. And if you haven't been through it yourself, you just don't know what that navigation actually involves and how much energy it takes to you know, try to navigate your way out of it. But people do it every single day. And I think the more that we can undermine this black and white way of thinking about like, you know, addicts, bad, sober people, good, the the more nuance and compassion and support we can weave into our recovery narratives. And that's just better for everybody. So if you are somebody that's been dramatically hurt by somebody that's using or drinking, you have a right to feel that way, of course. And maybe you need some time and distance from that person, but then don't label everybody as harmful and trash and kind of the bad seed with substance use disorder. I think that that's the thinking that really led to, for example, the war on drugs, which has just ruined mm-hmm. more, way, way, way more lives than it ever improved or saved. So mm-hmm. yeah, anything that we can do to separate the idea of like punishment, morality, punitive action, and really see substance use disorder as a, as a, as a disorder where people need mental and emotional, in some cases, physical, psychological support to overcome, um, that's the direction I would like to see this conversation going. So as you know, if you are a regular listener, each episode, we bring you a big sober energy tip to help enhance your life and your recovery journey. Today's tip in keeping with the theme of integrity is something I first practiced when I was going through my meditation teacher training program. And in that program, we had a different assignment every week. And one week, our assignment was to be completely honest in every single interaction, which when I first heard it, I was like, well, that's not going to be hard. I'm always completely honest. But when I actually started looking at my life and every single interaction through that lens, I realized that I do tell little white lies all the time without necessarily realizing it. And they were things that in my mind were to protect other people, to make other people feel good, to connect with other people, to like minimize, in some cases, minimize things that they had done that I didn't like. There was a lot of that. Like I would find myself being like, oh, that's okay. When something really wasn't okay. Or I would omit some details from a story if I thought that they might not sit well with somebody. Like I was just constantly calibrating what I was saying, mostly for the comfort of other people, but realizing that in doing so, I was not necessarily always telling the absolute total truth. And this was very interesting to me because from an integrity point of view, is it kinder to live life in a way where you're just being brutally, radically honest all the time or to soften what you're saying for the benefit of the people around you and hope that they will do the same so that we can all just sort of live a little bit more pleasant life. That was very interesting to me to think about during that week. I won't say that there were no consequences to like being more radically honest and not omitting details, but I actually think that the benefits of being in integrity with myself, my connections were more authentic. I do feel like it opened up the opportunity for 
a little bit of deeper conversation about some things that probably just did need to be talked about. I felt like it was a really worthwhile exercise. It definitely has changed my approach to little modifications to the truth, I guess, that I was making for the benefit of other people. I don't necessarily do that in the same way anymore. It did permanently affect me in that way. So that's the tip is this week, really just think about when you're talking, is what you're saying 100% accurate and truthful? And what happens when you decide to be 100% accurate and truthful and not smooth things over, tell little white lies, omit things, change the story slightly to make it better, to make yourself look better, make the other person feel better, et cetera, et cetera. I have for sure found myself telling those just little white lies or omitting things. I think it's maybe stemmed over from the days where I would cover up some things from my using past and it's just kind of a pattern to make something sound quote unquote better, even though it might not be better. It's not better because it's not real. Meditation and movement are essential components of the hangover liberation method. So in each episode, we like to carve out a little time to either move or breathe with you or both. And today, Aaron is going to lead us in a brief movement practice. Okay. Thank you, Adrian. So today we are going to do a stretch lying down if you can. If not, you can do this seated or save this and do this when you can lie down. Thinking about integrity kind of of the body and where it's placed, we are going to just take a simple hamstring stretch, which is the back of the upper leg. And maybe you want a little pillow under your head, maybe not. Just go ahead and take your, let's start with the right leg in your hands. Let's have the left leg straight down and relaxed. Now, with the leg that you're holding on to, can you straighten the knee without locking it, but just make the leg nice and straight? And keep your pelvis on the floor. So the leg, you may have to lower it towards the floor to keep those two components, pelvis on the floor, not curling under towards you, kind of like your tailbone's glued onto the floor there, and then the leg nice and straight. Doing this seated, you can try sitting tall, take the leg out in front of you, hold on to it, same concept. Try to do that without kind of tucking the bum under or bending the knee to crank that leg closer to you. I find when I teach a lot of times maybe people have done sports or ballet or gymnastics in the past people want to have their leg kind of closer to them thinking that it's quote unquote a better stretch but it's actually better to be in your placement like your neutral placement of the pelvis and the leg straight but not locked and that will give you the best stretch so if you can find that and just breathe a few nice big breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, as you take that breath out, think about that muscle in the back of the leg, stretching, giving it that breath. And relax that leg and we'll go to the second side. So as we do the second side, try to, again, keep that pelvis in a neutral position without tucking the butt under or 
totally rolling the tailbone off the floor. Hold on to the leg. Sometimes you actually may find you need a band or a towel to help you hold on to the leg. That is completely fine. And try to have the leg in a place where it is long and straight. And this just reminds me, you know, it's having the integrity of where you can hold the stretch, not say where you've seen a another person pull their leg up towards or if you're in a class ignore your neighbor this is where you will get your best stretch with your pelvis in the neutral placement and the leg extended long instead of bending the knee and kind of hoisting it up towards your body and we'll breathe there for a moment and we'll finish that last inhale and exhale into that second leg that you're stretching and then you can just relax that leg back down. And hopefully that helped you feel a little more length or flexibility in the back of the legs. I know the back of the legs can get tight for a lot of people. So I do recommend doing this stretch every day if you can. Thank you so much, Erin. And thank you all so much for listening and spending your time with us today. As always, if getting sober is something that you have struggled with or you're just beginning your journey and you need some support, feel free to reach out to us. You can learn more about our work at reverrecovery.com or follow us on Instagram at reverrecovery. We also have a free Facebook group full of wonderful people called Reva Holistic Recovery Support. And if you'd like to learn more about working with us directly, you can book a free visioning session by reaching out to us through any of these platforms. If you like the podcast, we'd appreciate it so much if you could give it a five-star rating and a review so other folks can find us. Thanks again for listening. And as always, cheers to you and your liberation. The Hangover Liberation Society is a production of Feminist Hot Dog and Loudspeaker. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.